<coughs> Welcome to the Bethel this morning. It's good to see you all. Thank you for being here uh, with your family in Jesus to, uh, to worship him and to worship our Father. Um, we come together this morning, don't we, from each from our own circumstances, uh, from, from what the week has had in store for us. Um, from work, from school, from lives busy in many different ways. Maybe from stress, from challenges, um, from difficulties or sadness. We've said goodbye to some to loved ones this week. We've said goodbye to our brother George. From moments of great joy, perhaps. Um, perhaps from experiencing the beauty of love. Whatever we come from this morning, um, and whatever we've been through this week, we come together to meet Jesus, to remember uh, his incredible love for us, don't we? Uh, and to see in him the image of our lovely Father's face, smiling down on us, his children. I'd like us to begin our service this morning in worship of, of our Father, um, with Him 153. Lord, when we meet to worship Thee before us, let Thy glory pass. Proclaim Thy mercy rich and free. In Jesus may we see Thy face. O oh, meet with us, reveal Thy power, send down Thy blessing from above, that in this peaceful, solemn hour, we each may feel Thy wondrous love. And that's, that's our prayer, that's my prayer for us this morning. So if you'll stand uh, and sing this with me. Father, that is indeed our prayer, that, um, that this morning as we come together as your family here, that, um, that you will meet with us and that we will know your presence and, and see your face smiling down on us in love, because you love us so much and you have um, called us uh, and saved us from, um, from our sin and, uh, and called us to be your children, Lord, and we, we thank you for that and pray that you will that you will be here with us and help us to know your presence and that you will fill us with your spirit. And Lord Jesus, we come to remember um, your great gift, your great sacrifice for us so that we can be um, the children of your father, your brother, your sister. We're going to remember what you've done. Help us um, never to forget just what you've done for us, Lord. And help us to know your presence at our shoulder, now and in every moment of our lives. Lord, fill us with your spirit this morning. And uh, help us to go away from this place um, refreshed in our service with you. And uh, just bless us richly, we pray. Amen. We're going to make a covenant with him uh, to work together to build this church to the glory of God and together to serve those uh, in the church family and outside the church and to encourage one another that our love for God and for his son, uh, the Lord Jesus may grow. So I'd like Des to come up and I'd like all of you to stand with me please if you will. <coughs> I'm going to ask Des two questions and I'm going to ask you uh, two questions. Des, do you Commit yourself to loving and serving the Lord within this church family and in the world. I do. As part of the family here, do you promise to love and encourage, strengthen and guide, pray for and care for all the family uh, here at the Bethel to the best of your ability and in God's strength? I do. Excellent. Do you, the Old Trapper family, welcome Des into the family of Christ here at the Bethel? We do. Good. Do you promise to love, encourage, strengthen, guide, pray for and care for Des as your brother? in this family of Christ here at Bethel, uh, and to serve the Lord together with him to the best of your ability and in God's strength. Yes. Good. We can't ask for more than that, can we? 
Death in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the family here at the church. We welcome you as our new brother at Old Trafford, um, and as part of the family here uh, at the Bethel. But also, you're now uh, a member of a much bigger, wider family um, throughout the world. Brothers and sisters, believers in every, every part of the world, um, you're part of that family. People who share your faith um, and your hope in Jesus. And I welcome you now into that family as well. That's a really, uh, it's a real blessing and a real valuable thing. And we pray that, um, that we may help each other and you may help us and them uh, along our road to God's kingdom. God bless. I'm going to ask um, any members of the MB who are here to, to come and pray with Des now, please. Our dear Father, um, we bring before you now our new brother Des, um, as he joins our family here at the Bethel. We thank you uh, for this brilliant news that Des wants to follow you and follow the Lord Jesus and that he's taken that step of commitment um, being baptised and and joining your family we pray Lord for your rich blessing uh, on Des as he starts his his walk his new life following you and your son Uh, we pray that you'll bless him richly and strengthen him, help him always to know that you're there uh, and all he has to do is is call you ask, ask for your help, talk to you And Father, we pray for your blessing on us, the rest of his family, as well. Help us to to see his needs and help him to grow and to be there for him when he needs us. And to allow um, him to minister to us and serve us and help us when we are in need uh, of help as well. Father, we pray that um, through us we will be able to bring Des closer to you and through him we will come closer to you as well as as part of our newly extended family here at the Bethel. Please bless us all richly, Lord, and particularly bless Des now as, as he becomes a part of our family. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Um, if you'll just uh, remain seated, we'll uh, approach our Father in prayer again. Father, we uh, come to you now to ask again for your rich blessing on on the things that we are doing this and in coming weeks uh, as your church here in Old Trafford. We pray for your blessing on those activities and pray that um, that your light will be seen in this area through the things that we do and that we'll be able to um, show people your love and, and hopefully bring them to an understanding of that love and of, of what you've done for us here. Please bless us and help us in, in those things and strengthen us. And we pray now as well for your blessing on uh, the MB and on Pete um, for, for the service that they're going to uh, do for us next year. We pray that you'll give them um, much wisdom and grace and love and uh, help them to, to open their hearts to what you um, are telling them um, as they try and uh, steer this church in the direction that you, you want for it. And we pray for this church and uh, that you will help them to, uh, to bring people closer together um, as, we, as we move forward now. Father, we've heard of um, a number of our family who 
who need our prayers and we, we pray that you will be with and be close to Pauline um, in these days after she's lost George. Please strengthen her and help her to, uh, to know your, your love and your presence and um, help us to, to be there for her when she needs us. We pray, pray for Gladys and for Asher as well. Um, we pray that you'll um, help us to help them and help social services to help them to get Asher back home to the family home so that uh, he and Gladys can be together. Please, please bless them and be with them, we pray. Uh, Father, we, we pray for um, Hannah and Esther and Anna as, as they um, provide a nurturing for a new child that you've brought into this world. Please bless them richly. And, uh, and Lord, we thought of our brother John in the Congo as well. Please be with him and keep his spirits high. Help, help us to uh, help him to do that. And we don't know what your will for John is, but we, we would love to see him here again. And we pray that if that is your will, you'll bring him back to us safely soon. And we pray for um, the people in the area of Congo where John is from originally, uh, who are suffering so much with the rebel activity at the moment. We pray that you'll bring peace and that you'll bring uh, wisdom and sensibility to, uh, to the people in power there. Father, I want to pray as well for um, the children of the world. We, it was Children Need on Friday and uh, saw something very disturbing on the telly during the week about how children are sometimes treated in the world. I pray that you will uh, give, just change people's hearts so that they, they're kind and loving to the children that are in their lives. And most of all, Father, we pray that you send Jesus back soon so that the things that we do in this world the, the horrors that we see, that they will no longer be the case and, and that your son, our Lord, can set up his kingdom uh, when everything will be free of, free of sin, free of evil and that everyone will, will worship you in, in peace and in joy. Please, Lord, hasten that day. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. as you've joined a family that uh, is far from perfect because it's got us in it we're not perfect, we try um, to serve our Lord and uh, we often fail but it doesn't matter to him he forgives us um, and uh, he helps us to, to be better and um, I think Pete's going to talk a little bit about, um, about the church and how we're not perfect uh, but I'd like us to sing together now um, a prayer um, just as I am, from Praise the Lord 71. Um, it's kind of a celebration and a prayer. Um, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood, Jesus, was shed for me, and that you bid me come to you, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, I come. We, we can come to him, despite the fact that we're imperfect, that we're sinners, and he, um, his righteousness covers us. Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, Sight, riches, healing of the mind, all that I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. <coughs> if you'd like to, uh, to turn 
in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read this morning um, 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 12. And uh, Dave's going to lead us in that. And then Angela's going to come and read 1 Corinthians 13. Good morning. First Corinthians chapter 12, and first, uh, starting at verse 12. One body, many parts. The body is one unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. One part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. I'm reading from the Good News Bible. 
I may be able to speak the languages of men and even of angels, but if I have no love, my speech is no more than a noisy gong or a clanging bell. I may have the gift of inspired preaching, I may have all knowledge and understand all secrets, I may have all the faith needed to move mountains, but if I have no love, I am nothing. I may, I may give away everything I have, and even give up my body to be burnt, but if I have no love, this does me no good. Love is patient and kind. It is not jealous, or conceited, or proud. Love is not ill-mannered, or selfish, or irritable. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but is happy with the truth. Love never gives up, and its faith, hope, and patience never fail. Love is eternal. There are inspired messages, but they are temporary. There are gifts of speaking in strange tongues, but they will cease. There is knowledge, but it will pass. For our gifts of knowledge and of inspired messages are only partial. But when what is perfect comes, then what is partial will disappear. When I was a child, my speech, feelings and thinking were all those of a child. Now that I am a man, I have no more use for childish ways. What we see now is like a dim image in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. What I know now is only partial, and then it will be complete. As complete as God's knowledge of me. Meanwhile, these three remain. These three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Thank you, Angela and Dave. Um, Pete, please come and encourage us and speak God's words to us. Normally, uh, just for myself, at least when I'm doing an exhortation, I, I give it a title, and uh, uh, it's not very easy to read, actually. But uh, basically, what I'm going to talk about this morning is about being in search of a perfect church. Um, uh, I think uh, a number of people spend some of their time trying to find something that's perfect, uh, uh, and uh, and hopefully they think that when they walk through the door at the back, uh, um, that here it is. Um, so, so I'm going to ask you just, just for a moment just to think what, what your, you think your church should, should look like what, if you're imagining uh, the best of all possible churches uh, in the best of all possible worlds what would it, what would it look like um, I don't know. Yeah. for some people 
Yes, it might look like that. <laughs> a sort of vague fuzziness with a few hands in the air. Um, uh, for, for some other people, the, you know, the, the, the noise and the kind of energy that that represents w- would be exactly what they don't want. They would like a nice quiet space in which they could, they could, they could pray. So, so um, what some of us want may not be what, what, what other people want. Yeah. I'm going to start by being negative and hopefully I'm going to turn around and be a bit more positive. So first of all, I'm going to talk about what a church isn't right, or shouldn't be. And, and my first of those is um, a refuge to escape the world. See, I think it's very easy to think that here we, we come in and we shut the doors and the, the world's outside and, and we can just forget about it. And, and that that's, that's a great thing to have and, you know, and that's what church is about. What I don't think it is. And, and I don't think it is for a number of reasons because I don't, you can't shut the world out that easily. We bring it in with us, we bring in our attachment to it, and the things that worry us outside, we can't leave at the door. Um, Gladys can't sit there and, and not think about how Asher is. Um, I can't divorce myself from thinking, well, I wonder how Sam's getting on because Sam's not with us today, he's somewhere else. You know? Um, each of us will have bits of baggage that we bring in. And, and two, if we think here we can just shut it off and be at peace with God, then I think we've also misunderstood the way in which we're supposed to interact with the world. Because if the way in which we conduct ourselves when we're outside is not something that makes us happy about our relationship with God, it's not going to get any better when it's in here. Because serving and loving God is something that we do 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And we can't be somebody here and somebody else when we go back outside the doors. Because that isn't how it works. I'll tell you what else church isn't. (laughs) But then most of you know this. (laughs) It isn't a place where nothing goes wrong. It isn't somewhere where, you know... Out there, things are dreadful. In here, things are perfect. Um, and that's your fault, yeah? Because <laughs> you each come in here, you see. Well, so do I, yeah? And we behave like human beings. Yeah. And so it's a place where things go wrong. So consequently, it isn't a place that's full of perfect people. At least, not if we look at it from our point of view and the way that we see each other. But then, if you and I are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, if our sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb, then what does God see when he looks at us? If he has forgotten our sins, and and it's an interesting thing, isn't it? God knows everything that has ever been, that is, and that will ever be. And yet he chooses to forget our sins. And I don't understand how that works. I'm not... 
you know, I don't have all of, all of that. It, it is probably the largest expression of God's power. That somebody who knows everything is able to actually block out from his consciousness. Um, something which must actually be very distressing to him. I don't know. I'll tell you what else the church shouldn't be. It shouldn't be unloving. And um, and that means lots of things, as we saw from 1 Corinthians 13. It means that we shouldn't be envious. We shouldn't look around the room and find some reason for thinking, well, I wish I was like them, or I had what they had. It means we shouldn't be boastful. Now, you know, I think that's actually one of the, the greatest dangers that we inherit from our community. And I don't mean that in, in any way to be unkind, but if you come from a community that says, we know the truth and other people don't, um, you've got a great deal of difficulty to step back from that and not be boastful. Not because you've discovered it, not because, you know, you are any better than anybody else, but already you are setting up a barrier and there are ways of handling that barrier which can be boastful and we need to learn ways of handling that barrier that are humble. We shouldn't be proud. And yet, so many of us look at the... Um, have a certain pride in the way in which we do things. We're a very diverse group of people. We, we all look at, at, uh, at other people and we say, well, I wouldn't do it quite that way. Yeah? Um, uh, Tony um, stood here and sort of uh, gently mocked himself uh, the other week talking about how he knows he's always right and, you know, uh, and then occasionally it comes and bites him on the bottom, really. Um, uh, and uh, Tony and I get on very well, because I know I'm always right too, and therefore we can, you know, um, we can deal with that, um, except when we don't think the same thing. Uh, but there's lots of us in the church who are exactly the same. We might not say it in an arrogant way. We might not even admit it to ourselves sometimes. Um, but we look at somebody else who's different, uh, and different means I'm better. Now, we've just seen from 1 Corinthians 12, different does not mean better at all. Different means, what does it mean? Different, thank you. Good, you see, not only are you awake, but you were paying attention earlier on, that's fantastic. Right, um, Church also shouldn't be self-seeking. And, and I, think, I think sometimes we're that too. Because we say, well, I want it this way. I, I want Sunday mornings to be like this. Or I want um, uh, this out of church. I, you know, 
I want um, I want the bread and wine uncovered yeah? so that I can refer to them later on somebody else wants them covered up and um, because I'm here actually I can do what I want no, um, and that's exactly the attitude that we shouldn't have yeah And we shouldn't be easily angered. Uh, and that's a tricky one too, isn't it? Because people get right up your nose. Yeah? That's what people are like. They do. And, and individually and as a body, we shouldn't get easily angered. We've got to learn to deal with it. We've got to learn to shrug it off. When I was doing the notes for this, I was very tempted to go uh, into my study, bring out the ecclesial records for the last 60 years, and burn them. Because love doesn't keep any records of wrongs, and uh, whilst we have a lot of records of rights in there, we also have um, a complete record of everybody in here who's ever done anything that they shouldn't have, that we know about, obviously. <laughs> Somewhere else there's another record, you know, of all the ones that we don't. Now, I, I, I don't know whether that, that's the right response uh, at all. But the fact is that even if we burn all the written records and we wipe all of the hard disks these days that have got all the discussions about what people have done on them and this, that and the other, yeah, it's still up here. And this is the bit that's difficult to wipe, isn't it? The fact is that there are people here who remember things that people did 20 years ago or 30 years It's great being young, actually, because you don't have that much baggage. You know? Um, but love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So, so we need to make that transition somewhere in our mind at what point we, we forget somebody's past um, and bring them on. And a church shouldn't delight in evil. Wanted, uh, oh, I was reading it in the, in the, in the, in the, in the message. Um, and that says, doesn't revel when others grovel, which seems a, quite a strange translation of that, but... Um, I think there is, again, a tendency, and I think there's, it's almost a, a, um, a universal tendency amongst Christians to go, ooh, isn't this, that, or the other dreadful? You know, at least, you know, we don't, whatever it is, you know, and oh, those dreadful people out there, who? A, B, C, D. Um, uh, and I think that's probably what we're being um, advised against here in the list. So, if that's what we shouldn't be, um, we'll, we'll turn a bit more, more positive. What, what, what should we be? Well, it's actually, and for those of you who, who are not you know, massive, uh, I, I read all the time. I just soak stuff up like a sponge. Uh, some of it highly inappropriate, some of it um, less so. So, there's a big debate going on about what churches should be at the moment. 
Um, should, it, should church be intelligent? That's the title of an uh, intelligent church book by Steve Chalk, where he, he says, you know, we, we're so stuck in a rut that what we've got to do is we've got to change what we do and, th- and think about our preaching and, and our interaction with the world and do it differently because, you know, we're just being stupid, basically, um, in doing what we've always done. Because, um, I think, as Mark Twain has said, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So, nice. Okay. Um, Graham Tomlin wrote a book saying about, called Provocative Church, suggesting we should really be pushing the boundaries uh, about, uh, about what, what church does. Uh, Rick Warren tells us our church should be purpose-driven. You know, we should, we, should, we should have meaning behind everything we do. We should know uh, and, and be fixed in, in direction and stuff and, and have a church mission statement that everybody knows as opposed to it being in a page in a book somewhere that's on a shelf, somewhere that somebody's not quite sure. And if you've joined the church recently, you probably haven't got a copy of because it's out of print. Yeah. Uh, Michael Moyer talked about em- uh, has written a ch- book called Emerging Church, which is all about church being very different. Church being uh, a coffee shop where people pop in and you talk to them. Church being uh, um, something that's in the community and doesn't involve services at all. Although maybe there's a suggestion behind that that once you've hooked them in that kind of way, you then drag them and sit them down in rows of pews and chairs and whatever and and give them a a thorough talking to. Um, Because that's what church is, isn't it? Sitting there listening while somebody's rattling on at the front, you know. Um, um, There's another book I've read recently which is called um, No Perfect People Allowed by a guy called John Burke and and it's basically the history of of his church in in the States and how uh, they've gone for a policy of inclusion and they've said, look, anybody, come in. It's not our job to sort you out. Uh, This is what we think you should be like but we'll let Jesus do that once you've met him. And we're not going to say, you've got to give up Um, drinking, smoking, taking drugs, whatever, before you can come through the door, we'll let you come through the door and then, you know, um, God will work on you and you'll give those things up. And um, let's say it's not been easy for them Uh, and and they've had to deal with a lot of stuff. But it's it's another challenge, I think, to us in in terms of thinking about where do we draw our boundaries and, uh, and what are we like. So, I've got three things that I'm going to briefly, and it will be briefly, talk about uh, church being. And that is church being the body of Jesus, which we saw in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Church being loving. I've talked about the unloving stuff. I'm going to talk about the other half of 1 Corinthians 13. And church being Christ-centred and grounded. Because if, if that isn't the power that drives it, then it's a complete waste of time. Okay, so what things characterise Jesus' body? And, um, we should be dynamic. Is that a, a biblical phrase? Yes, it is. Um, for those of you who are looking at me a little bit strangely, in both senses of that word, um, dynamic means it should be moving, it should be changing. Yeah? It shouldn't just be the same all the time. 
Dynamic also means, from the Greek dynamos, um, powered or empowered. Well, actually, I'm going to take this in both senses of that word. Um, powered. Neil prayed uh, at the start of this that, that God would work in us by his spirit, that, that, that we would know God's presence here. And that's, that's what uh, dynamos Dynamic is about. Dynamic is about being driven by the Spirit of God. But it's also about, I think, being sort of in, uh, unleashed. The, the whole idea of empowerment, which is something that, that uh, people talk about in the world a bit these days, um, means that it's almost like you know having our batteries charged, we can go off. Not that we shouldn't be in contact with God, but that, that we're, we're now able to, to do things that perhaps we weren't. And we're given a certain amount of, of sort of um, freedom and, and so on. I suppose I probably ought to get my notes out and just check where I am against those. Um, because there was a passage I was thinking of in, in, uh, in, in relation to, oh, to that empowerment, about God having uh, committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. It isn't just that God says, I want the world reconciled. Right? He's given us the job of reconciling the world. Okay. Um, if we are the body of Christ, we should be growing. Because scripture tells us in lots of places that we, that, that we are supposed to grow into the perfect or complete man. And I think that that's something that's both individual and corporate. One for all of us to do. We have to grow together to become what Jesus wants to be. And we don't grow together to be what he wants us to be if we're arguing all the time about whether we're a hand or a foot or an ear or whatever. You know, we have got different things that we are good at, different things that we're called to do, and let's get on with them and not always want to be doing something else and likewise not always moaning if we're the feet that we're down in the dust and we're getting sticky and we're getting hot and it would be really nice to you know, have a couple of weeks up on the shoulder because we're afoot and you know, feet are in the dust and occasionally somebody comes along and washes them and then they carry on again and feet aren't particularly pleasant to look at Hands up anybody who thinks that they've got beautiful feet. Hesitation for a moment. Beautiful feet. Yes. All feet. And particularly those that, that bring the gospel of peace. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of those that bring the gospel of peace. So there we are. See? Um, but we're different. All right. Oops, they weren't both supposed to come up together, but never mind. Um, if we're Christ's body, we should be connected. Um, again, that's another phrase that it used. It talks about every joint and ligament connected and connected to the head. So we should be connected. We should be connected to, to, the, to the head, but we should also we should have in us a culture of family. Um, and I think mostly we do do that. I'm, I'm, this is not supposed to be, a, I'm here to beat you up. Yeah? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to set some, some aspirations and, and 
hopefully for each of us, there's something in this where we say, do you know, that's what I would like the church to be more, and that's what I'm going to do something about. Because if I can make us more of a family, and I can do that by doing this, this, and this, then um, that's what I'm here for, because that's what I'm good at. Yeah? And, and families are hard places. Yeah? What do you do when your child goes off in a strop up into the bedroom and slams the door behind them, you know? Um, nobody ever experienced that with children? Uh, all, all ones, yeah. Even, even at the age of yours, eh, Alex? Yeah, well, there you go, you see. And, and actually, I, I mean, there are several approaches we can take. And, and in different circumstances, each one will be appropriate. We might just sit at the bottom of the stairs and say, when they get hungry, they'll come out. Yeah? Uh, and probably they, probably they will, you know. You, you might decide to leave them for a certain amount of time, yeah, and then go uh, and, 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 and say, isn't it really time to come? You might, uh, as, as often happens in our family, in fact, um, if, if the strop's been at one of us in particular, we'll send the other one up. You know, because uh, there's more likelihood that, 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 you know, at that particular moment in time, they're not going to throw something at, at, at the other parent. You know. um, as you can see, we have a, we have real control uh, in our house. But I, um, but then whenever I say that, Liz points me at other people's children and then I don't feel quite so bad. So it's, you know, um, Probably, the, you know, it isn't good if your child's gone up to the bedroom and has dropped to stand at the bottom of the stairs and shout up at them backwards and forwards. It doesn't tend to help the relationship. Either we should go to them or we should encourage them to come to us. We shouldn't be trying to do it at a distance. Um, so, what... Be, so being a family has its own issues and, and, and gives us challenges to, to deal with. Um, but we should, somewhere in that, have a culture of dependency. Yeah? What that means is that if um, I, I need every one of you if one of you is not here, if one of you has gone off to your bedroom in a strop, yeah, I am the less because of that. I'm not going to go into sort of the, the old John Donne, no man is an island, entire into himself stuff. Um, but that's how it is. If one part of the body um, is struggling, then it affects all the rest of the body. And if we struggle in silence and alone, that doesn't mean that it doesn't affect the rest of the body. If I keep my problems to myself, yeah, you are still affected by them. And we have to learn to depend on each other and trust each other in order for that to, to work. We are diverse as a body, and we saw that in the reading from 1 Corinthians 12. 
We're different. And that's right. That's the way God's made us. And that's the way God wants it to be. And we should be inclusive. In other words, we shouldn't be saying, well, you're not a foot, so go away. You're not a hand, I don't want to know you. We should be um, inclusive. And the contrast, I think, is made with Israel. In Israel, the way that it was laid out, there was a very definite kind of hierarchy. First of all, you were either an Israelite or you weren't. Next, you were either a man or a woman, and the rules were different. Next, you were either a man or, or, a, or a Levite, because the rules for Levites were different for, for, for other uh, men. The rules for priests were different from other Levites. And everyone had some kind of privileges, some differences, that were embedded into the whole structure. So that we get at the top of the pyramid to the high priest who one day once a year went into the presence of God in the most holy place in the temple one day once a year and when Jesus died the curtain that separated the most holy place from the holy place tore from top to bottom and that whole system and hierarchy was um, destroyed. So that in a figure each of us can come right into the presence of God. Whenever we want. And Easter, I'm sure, will feel this more than some of us. Because for many years, he belonged to a church that said, you can't do this. It's not for you. It's only for some other people. And we shouldn't have those kind of barriers in our church. Okay. So what should we be? We should be loving. And that means, taking the other half of 1 Corinthians 13, if we want to go through them one by one, we should be patient. Now that's a tricky one, because I'm not patient. Um, I've spent, you know, 50 odd years trying to learn to be patient, and it isn't working. Yeah? <laughs> but, I can still give you the advice. Yeah? Um, Maybe I've learned to be patient because nothing has ever been quite how I've wanted it to be and it's never, so eventually you, you, you give in, maybe. We should be kind. Huh. And this is the biggest problem. Yeah? Because I can't be too sweeping it. Almost Almost everybody in this room, I have at some time heard say something unkind. Those of you I haven't known for very long, you're probably okay. Because we do it. And 
Maybe sometimes we don't think it's unkind. And it isn't that we don't know what we should do. It's the same with the children. You know, you say, that wasn't very kind, was it? And they go, hmm? Um, Or eventually, you know, by... You keep on at them and they go, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Actually, if we could master this one, um, it would be a much better place to be. I can't even read that for me. Rejoices. Right, thank you. We should rejoice with the truth. Now, see, truth is something that, that figures very large in, 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 uh, in what we're about. So you would think that one would be easy, wouldn't you? Yeah? Um, the rejoicing you know, comes and goes. Um, sometimes, sometimes we have that. But I think the thing is, truth can take a lot of forms. And what's important, uh, I, I think for us, and in the context of some of the stuff I said earlier about being proud and about being... Um, or not being proud and, and so on, is that we're talking about humble truth. Now, humility is not something that I do um, very well either. Um, and it's another one of those things that maybe some of you can help me learn. Um, please don't put Liz out of a job, because she partly thinks that's, that's her job. But um, the, rest of, the rest of you can, can help too uh, in, in, in trying to keep me humble. But... Humble truth is about saying what's right, but not saying it in, a, in an arrogant way at all. Those, those of you who spend any time online, what does IMHO stand for? In my humble opinion, which means what? But exact opposite, yeah, doesn't it? In my humble opinion, in other words, shut up, I know what I'm talking about. And... Um, it's what uh, I've, I've seen described somewhere else as vicious humility, which is a phrase I quite like, you know, where you start off by saying, well, you know, I, I don't want to really say what I'm saying here, but, yeah, there's always a but in the middle of the sentence. Yeah? So if you find yourself expressing your, 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 your opinion about what's right and what's wrong, um, with the word but somewhere in the middle of the sentence, this is usually a clue... Um, that, uh, that actually you aren't being humble. And this is an undeveloped idea, and I must um, uh, finish this shortly, uh, which is, and that is that when Adam and Eve took of the tree of good and evil, they, um, it was, yes, that was something that was not humble, that was about pride, but it was, the, it was the supposition that they could know what was right and wrong. And I don't know that we can a lot of the time. We know what principles are, um, but that doesn't mean that we can see inside somebody's heart. So, we should protect each other. We should be hopeful. We should persevere. Sorry, that disappeared. We, the church is not a place for quitters or for people who are afraid of... Uh, failure um, I'm going to skip through this Christ-centred stuff because I've talked too long about the other stuff um, but you can look at those later on if you want and about the idea that we should um, meet with each other in order to, to make Christ the centre of, of things because I want to 
Um, just close with talking about what the church is. The church is God here. This is where God shows himself to the world, where he shows himself to each other. This is God with us. This is, um, and, and this is a phrase that Jeremiah um, gives us, this is the Lord our righteousness. It may be that in embryo. It may be that you want to argue that it's not until Jesus returns that we're really the Lord our righteousness. Um, but we are. That is, what, that is what his people are. We are righteousness to the world, salt, light, and so on. So is that what the church looks like? See, it's on a rock. Actually, I prefer this picture. (laughs) Fancy going up to that every Sunday morning. But that's what it's built on. And that's what the church is centred and grounded upon. The knowledge that the Lord Jesus has saved us. That here he is. That here we are holy. This is where God meets with us. Lots to think about there, and um, Pete talked about the uh, the veil being torn when Jesus died, um, and us being admitted into into God's presence. It being an inclusive um, church. We're going to uh, think some more now about about Jesus' sacrifice and share bread and wine in a moment. Um, First of all, we're going to sing together um, here in this holy place. Beyond the veil, your awesome presence bids us silent now. In holy fear we stand, feeling the breath of your spirit blowing here. Um, just let's, let's sing this together and just uh, meditate a bit on, on being in, in Christ's presence and uh, on what, what he did for us so that that's where we can be. Jesus' disciples should be. Um, let's remember that uh, because our faith is built on the rock of Christ um, we are covered by his righteousness um, in his sacrifice, his blood has washed us clean and we're going to remember that now as we share bread together and drink wine together as as he asked us to do Um, and before we do that Mike's going to lead our thanks for the bread Father God in heaven, we come to come again to remember what you've done for us in giving us Jesus. And remember who Jesus is and when we come and try to understand who Jesus is and try to connect ourselves to Jesus. Lord, we can't be proud before you. We know what we are like inside. And we've been thinking about 
this morning a little bit about what we should be like. Father, I pray as we take this bread, as we take the bread into us, it will be like a symbol of a bit of Jesus going into us. I pray that we'll be able to accept your grace for when we for when we aren't like you, Jesus, for when we refuse to be like you. This is a symbol of forgiveness for when we fail and when we willingly have a strop and go our own way. Lord, I pray you'll give us the power to be honest with ourselves and before you and to invite you into our lives to come and change us. But this meal reminds us also of of another time when Jesus instituted this meal he was looking forward and as we've read this morning we long for the time when we see face to face so Father bless us now as we do this together as a body as we all come before uh, before Jesus and what he's done for us Father, accept our praise and our thanks in his name. Amen. As Jesus said, um, take, eat it, this is my body. Um, Let's do that together and remember what he's done for us. Father God, we still have the taste of that bread in our mouths. And we come now to think about the wine. The wine that symbolises the blood of your Son. The the blood that you saw being shed. Your only begotten Son. The Son who you loved. You saw saw that blood being shed by him. And Father, we recognise that our life is in that blood. It is healing blood. So Lord, as we take this cup between us we pray that we will feel its healing power we pray that we'll feel its power in us as individuals that it will reach every part of our individual bodies especially those bits which need special healing and that it will permeate through our collective body Father the body of our church that its healing power will spread to all those parts which need special healing now. Lord Jesus, we pray that the reality of this will be, as Mike has prayed already, that you will be in the centre of our hearts, individually and collectively. You will be at our centre. Amen. So we'll share this wine together, a reminder of the blood of Jesus, um, by which we are washed clean. What God sees, as, as Pete said before, is 
not us in filthy rags, but us in um, robes of righteousness, shining bright, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. That's, that's what Jesus has done for us. One who's helped and contributed this morning. Thank you for being here as well. Whatever situation we came from this morning, we came to meet together uh, and to worship in, in the light, the shining light of Jesus and the freedom and grace that we have in him. And uh, as, we, as we meet as his church, um, one of the things that we need to do is to reflect that light to those around us um, in, this, in this place, in Old Trafford. We are imperfect and we reflect it imperfectly. Um, but Lord, as we step out now um, into the world this week, give us a good polish. Fill us with your spirit, I pray, and shine your light on us. We're going to close in prayer in a moment after singing um, Shine, Jesus Shine. Lord, the light of your love is shining in the midst of the darkness. Shining, Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth new you now bring us. Shine on me. Our Father in heaven, we are all different, but we are one body. A body united in hope, in the hope of the risen King coming back to this earth. United in our faith in that hope, a faith so strong it can move mountains, a faith that equips everyone here, teachers, prophets, evangelists, preachers, carers, musicians, healers, and Lord, we are a body knit together in love. Sometimes that love fails. Sometimes we are proud, boastful, self-centered. And Lord, we pray that that love will not fail and that it will grow and that out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water and that together we can produce a fountain of the Holy Spirit welling up into everlasting life. And Lord, we are a body united in one love for our head, the man who gave it all. And Lord Jesus, we love you. And we pray that your presence will be felt within us and that our faces will, will re reflect your love and the light of your glory. And so, Father, we pray earnestly now for that day when we will see Jesus. We will see him coming on the cloud with power and with great glory. And at the sound of the trumpet, we will be caught up to meet him in the air and we will see his smiling face. Amen.